Blog Talk Radio. Um, 
basically, while it is perceived today that they were benevolent in what they bestowed upon this country, um, that benevolence was only perceived to provide a short-term relief for those that were in debt and those that did not have land. You know, so it would be, it, it was like a facade so that if basically if you were poor, it would feel good until the hooks really got the sink in. And then by that time, there was nothing to be done about it anyway. Um, <clears throat> and everybody had landed interest. The text breaks it down from, you know, in alphabetical order and describes, I think, in, in, in enough detail for one to determine each individual's economic interest in creating this document. Because I think that a lot of people in the United States forget that <laughs> we got four stages of this whole thing that's going on. You know, it started off with the Articles of Association, right? Then it moved into the Declaration of Independence. Then it moved on into the Articles of Confederation. Then it moved to the Constitution. In my opinion, I think that the for us, or we, the people, that the Articles of Confederation was actually a much stronger document for us and much more restricted to the financial and landed classes of the time, which is why there was that little skirmish thing that brought on the you know, constitutional document itself. It does include things that were important. Okay, we can look at freedom of the press and how that came about um, and the reason it became important. We can also look at um, representative, the representative form of government. Uh, I don't know if it's so much a Republican form, which is more oligarchical form of government, but they were actually talking about a, a you know, a representative form of government, which is cool. The separation of church and state, um, or, you know, where the state will not do as Rome did and pronounce its own religion. These are very important things, but a lot of Americans don't understand how those things actually came across. But I believe that they were included in the Constitution to assuage certain fears that were, had already existed among the colonists at the time, right? It's like give a little, get a lot um, in its actual implication. And so my opinion, for whatever it's worth, is that this document is basically a business contract and nothing more. And so when... Uh, a few years ago, when you know the liberal media—I'm not a conservative, but I love the way they phrase it—the liberal media uh, had uh, quoted uh, uh, G.W. 
as saying the uh, Constitution's just a GD piece of paper. Strangely enough, I think he's correct. It's nothing but a contract, an old contract. And the idea of that contract, I think that a lot of Americans don't understand, is that this country was founded first by 11 British corporations, which took over a Dutch colony and took over a Swedish colony in Delaware. All right? The representative form of government came across because your business interests, and that is getting your crops and everything to market, was still under the maritime law. You had to get your stuff to market. You had to minimize your labor costs. All of it, it was a business. Now, the people that moved further from the coast were the ones that were becoming more and more independent and harder to contain. (coughs) And they were the threat to the people on the water side who were closer to getting their crops to the ships to get the raw materials out. So the the idea of independence was born because people kind of got a taste of taking care of themselves. And as uh, uh, was stated in in an earlier program, that people were going native. (laughs) It's like this is outstanding. There's no king. There's no nothing. There's nobody telling me what to do. Right? The rise of the and a lot of resources and a lot of resources. right a lot more land than you could do you know land is value in the american system land and labor have value in the british well, labor system labor did have value <laughs> what is it? but right. there's yeah. the difference therein lies the difference between the american system that was gated in the 1800s as opposed to the british system under which we exist today, all right? The difference was that labor and land have value. In the British system, money has value. Two completely antithetical ideas that are or were a basic war with each other. Kind of like um, the idea of Zoroaster and his, you know, there's two forces fighting it out and when there's final victory, the material world will cease to exist. And right. so now this it's is the been battle. argued that Beard's um, economic analysis And it was a pure economic formula in a way. It was not, he's not really considered an intellectual as an economist. I think that that would be understood simply because Mm -hmm. he's a historian. 
right? right? He's a historian. The whole idea is that, okay, once you basically shine a light on certain aspects of history that one would rather leave unseen, um, one does what anyone would do, which would be attack, cause confusion, throw up any kind of cloud of ink like an octopus that you could possibly do, right? He who casts the first crap wins the argument. And so it's up. So you're really, saying that the, the whole foment of the Revolutionary War and from Britain and all that was the the ink screen, so to speak, was, in terms of not looking at the yeah. real issue, which was land ownership and and mercantilism. Right. That's who voted. And the representative, the only reason the, the representative form of government actually rose was that as more and more people gained what they called freehold, they were now able to vote on the business aspects of their township or of their county or of their city, which were still all seafaring type business ventures. Right? They were still businesses. But certain things happen. How do you get your how do you get your uh, uh, uh you know, your stuff to market? Uh what taxes are being levied upon you and how you know what I mean? Oh you had say so on this. The thing was is that the town halls were so small and as the the population of those who had the requisite amount of land and other requirements uh, uh, came to vote, there was, just wasn't enough room for it. And so the whole deal was, well, we'll just get Bob to go up there for us. You know? Bob will represent us. All of us. thousand of us. And John will represent that thousand, and Fred will represent that thousand. So instead of, you know, 10,000 people showing up at the place to try to get in the hall, you just wound up with 100 people. All taking care of the business, representing the interests of the people with the freeholds. There is an interesting thing in comparison to what goes on today. People believe somehow that their vote has some kind of meaning. And I don't wish to burst any bubbles, but with the onset of property taxes and the removal of free, alloidal title to anybody's land, since nobody owns land but businesses, corporations, only corporations have the ear of the government. Only corporations are represented. The people who have no land, have no say-so. It's like showing up at a McDonald's uh, uh, corporate meeting with owning no shares in McDonald's and wanting to vote on what McDonald's does. <laughs> it's silly. People forgot history. If they realized or read it or understood it, it would you know, hard as it is to understand, if you have no land, you have no vote. 
the people should yes, read their deeds. They are to another issue, which is that the current medical health care crisis in the U.S. <laughs> is basically yeah. just another way of taking people's land. It's um, extraction. You know, just taking yes, more. It's extraction. Now the, the, the air, the whole thing is extraction. Once people lost land, it was exactly as Thomas Jefferson said. The people will wake up homeless in the land that their fathers had conquered. And it is actually true. Because like I said, if you've got no, if you've got no shares, you've got no say. And so in order to make it at least feel like we're in the United States, propaganda is utilized to whip the people up into some kind of fervor every four years, basically to do the psychological thing that Mao had said, which is put people in a mold, mold them. They must be molded from time to time, you know. And so that's all voting is now, is just molding people, uh, 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 crystallizing public opinion. Uh, doing all this stuff um, to, to get people just to accept and look beyond the fact that they actually have no effect on <laughs> what's going on. On anything, <laughs> yeah. I know. It's incredible. Yeah. If you got, you know, corporations got the land. Why? Because the cities gave it to them. Here, we'll give you the land and we won't tax it. <laughs> They're land holding. They're corporations. The corporation is all of us are one. Every city government is a corporation. Every school district is a corporation. There are 188,000 plus separate corporations <laughs> governments in this country. And voting on bond issues is seen as voting, a way yes. of voting yes. for your... You know, shareholders meeting or whatever. Yeah, right. You know, yeah, go ahead. Vote. Turn it down. Guess what? It's probably still going to happen. Well, it depends on which corporations now get a chance to vote and which votes actually count. What is it? Uh, Common shares and preferred shares versus no shares? Well, a majority of the American people have no shares in the United States of America, and that's the problem. And as and a substitute for no out. shares, they give you voting. Right. They give you all these little entertainments, these little spectacles, and and all kinds of little dances that are kind of, you know, ooh, look, ooh, look at the little monkeys dance. They're standing in line and and yelling, I want my boat. You know, it's like, well, dude, you could just sit at home and go, I. <laughs> I think it's funny. I, I It was a joke. I, 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 think it, I think it's funny. I wrote a joke, and it said, and it's, it's like, in 1968, the Who proclaimed, we won't get food again. Right? And in 2008, the crowd says, yes, we can. (laughs) 
come up. That is barely humorous. Mm. <laughs> In retrospect, yes. <laughs> In reality, I know. Not. So, well, uh, Beard's uh, basic theories were refuted, you know, heatedly at one point, but they made a comeback. You made a comeback. Yes, you have um, to keep that game. You know, yeah. but people will listen to the speculation. They will listen to that as opposed to actually picking up the document and trying to convert that English into current English. It's a difficult document to read. You know, given the reading level of today's population. So turning that language into cool and neat and <laughs> things like that takes a minute. You have to actually understand what words mean. Not to be or sound pompous, but it's actually a reality. If you don't know what concomitant means, it's kind of, you know what I mean. It's difficult. Yes, I know. It goes with. But, it goes with. So, um, yeah, I think it's quite a Beard quite was a very much path. opposed to entering World War. Oh, no. And there's a reason for that. Yeah. And the reason I believe is that he knew why we were entering into the World War, in the World War One. And that reason is is that we had no dog in that hunt. That war shouldn't have even happened but it had been set up probably for about the last 20 years before it happened by Philip VII of England because the American system, 1876 centennial, was a phenomenal thing. Otto von Bismarck was blown away and the Germans were kicking ass. I mean, you have the Russians. They're building the Siberian, uh, the Trans-Siberian Railway. The Germans are in the process of building the Baghdad to Berlin or Berlin to Baghdad railway. There was actual talk about bridging the Bering Strait via rail. All of that got turned over quickly. Um, wiped clean. He opposed both um, World War One and World War Two, right? Because correct. It was the way he to lived destroy until it. 1948. Okay. You wanted it had to be stopped. Yeah. yeah, it had to be stopped. All of this was there were protectionist policies in place. Ooh, that was nice alliteration. But it was basically it has been shown that when protectionist policies were initiated, that economies thrived. And the world was beginning to see that. Europe was seeing it. Um, the Russians were seeing it. And that's pretty big. That's a pretty powerful force to be free and without a king or ruler, you know. <laughs> it's almost like it was a battle of monarchy against freedom. And in 17... I can't recall the year... Um, in the London Times uh, article appeared 
that talk about if this if, if this experiment called the United States, um, um, you know, basically thrives, it poses a threat to monarchies. It will basically it will destroy monarchy all over the world. You know, it must be destroyed. And Jesus, <laughs> and we can't forget about how the Brits actually kind of came in and snagged this country after World War Two. It was strong. It emerged stronger than any other nation on the planet, including Russia, which was basically bombed back to the Stone Age. So I don't understand why you could even imagine that there was a Cold War, except the fact that we agreed on that, uh, as we talked about that, special arrangement or whatever between the United States and Britain, which uh, yes, the which way was, I uh, see it... formulated by Churchill. Yes, in his Iron Curtain speech. Right. The Iron Curtain has attended to fight the... That is so heinous. It is so heinous. So Britain basically created the Cold War. And then, yes, uh, Britain... And doing so, it. took the United States. They took, um, uh, what's his name? The Vice President Harry Henry Henry Watson Henry Wallace Harry Wallace Henry Wallace, who was Roosevelt's uh, actual Vice President. Um, there was a lot of finagling within the party to remove him and replace him with Truman. And it's funny because Harry S. Truman, the S just stands for S. <laughs> There's no name. Oh, really? There's no name yeah. after the S? No, it's just S. Just S. And then I heard the joke that he was an S man. <laughs> God. Oh, my God. He began it, right? He allowed yeah. all kinds of things. He began, he allowed the slow disintegration of all of the work that was done at Bretton Woods. Bretton Woods agreement, that whole monetary conference that was held, was allowed to go its way. The IMF would actually be a credit agency, not a central bank which debt-ladens every country on the planet, it would actually be the credit system that builds up every nation on the planet, right? In other words, we had actually won. Right after the war, we had actually had Britain whining and moaning and in, and in pain, and we were number one. The American system had dominated. Roosevelt was moving forward and making sure that all of that happened, right? I mean, look what we built. We didn't put the country in debt either. We built all the TVA and bills, got bombed, right? All of this stuff. Even created the breeder reactor, which would have been the best way to ever put nuclear into this country. But no, that had to go to the GE thing, which, you know, creates tons of waste. So history has just been 
the, 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 the thing that's been skewed in order to keep the population, I think, in line. And then made not interesting so that people don't want to see it. Yes, and as the Beard story points out, history is told through ideas, through intellectual ideas, not through yes. these types of analyses as we are talking mm-hmm. about. So, um, it's like the topical thing. We are almost out of time. We only have a few seconds left. So, uh, do you see a part three coming out of this with more about the Cold so. War? I think so. Okay. Because um, it's very and interesting. McKinley I mean, and McKinley and Roosevelt. The use of, of, of how he got stopped, how Garfield got stopped, how Wilson was a puppet. You know, uh, Hoover was just a cool um yeah it's uh but there was something behind it there was a whole nother subtext that went on that I believe and it's not a conspiracy because it's obviously real um just take a look around you today that all of this was the intent of psychologically standardizing the United States that's all Thanks for anyone listening, and I'll put this up on YouTube and iTunes, and we'll see you next time. Good night. Good night.